Welcome to the Silver Screen Podcast. I'm Jared Boomer. And I'm Katie Ganey-West. This is a podcast about movies and pop culture. And today we are doing a throwback that is over 20 years old. It's back to school time, so we thought we would review Legally Blonde, starring Reese Witherspoon. I had never seen this movie before this week, so this is my Just first time watching this. Shocked me to my core. Um, you did have the good idea to come up with like this movie, though, because you said back to school time, even, even though neither of us are um, going to Harvard. Uh, and no. Arjun had never seen this movie, so he watched it with me. And I thought of this myself. I feel like this was the Barbie movie before Barbie. I think I think you're right. There's a yeah. lot of Barbie influence in this yes. movie. I think Greta Gerwig maybe referred to this movie a little bit while working on Barbie. So yeah. there's some similarities for sure. So yes, so we will be talking about Legally Blonde today. And we do have a few news items real quick. One that just happened, uh, reported by TMZ, is that Britney Spears is getting a divorce from her husband. Oh. Now, there's allegations of him cheating. Um, there's some some nasty stuff that apparently has happened maybe between the two of them or that he's being accused of. Um, and they were only together for 14 months, so they were not married that long. Now, they had been dating for a while, right? Um, but Years. they were not married for that long. So and now they're going to get a divorce. It just makes me so sad. And I don't know how many people know... Um Sophia Bush, but she's another actress I love. She and her husband just announced they're getting divorced. And they've been married 13 months. Um, so I don't know. And and also, like, I don't want to fall down a rabbit hole, but also I never know what's, like, true or what's not as far as allegations. Um, but it's just sad, and I hate that divorce is so prevalent. Um, and then, Jared, I didn't tell you this because this is not divorce news, but did you see Ashley Olsen became a mother this week? <laughs> Did she? Or like did at not. least it was no. announced. Okay. Yeah. So she's married to, uh, I think it's Louis Eisner. He's super rich. Um, but they had a little boy and they named him Otto. <laughs> Cute. So, yeah. So, so one of the Olsen twins has reproduced. Nice. My my favorite Olsen sister would be Elizabeth, I think. Of oh, the every, I, think, I think she's everyone's favorite. I mean, I just like the Olsons, though. Mm-hmm. I can't help myself. Also, uh, did you see Zoe Deschanel got engaged to the property she brother did. you know this uh i don't want to i know a lot of people love zoe and i have nothing against zoe i mean i think she's definitely eccentric but her ring looks very odd in the picture that has been shared and it's not a close-up and i tried to zoom in not as a judgment of i want to see how big the ring is and stuff i couldn't tell what i was looking at like it looks like it's a non-symmetrical too big for her finger eight kinds of gemstones kind of a ring she's mm-hmm. not my taste personally um, but who knows? And I'm sure it looks beautiful in real life, but I was thrown by that in the picture and I always forget which property brother she's with. I just know she's with one of them. Yeah. I don't know if it's Drew or Jonathan, um, yeah. but it's but one of congrats, them. Congrats guys. So, yeah. Congrats and hopefully, to Zoe. Hopefully no divorces, um, after this, she's been divorced once before, but hopefully they'll, they'll go the distance. Hopefully it works out. So yeah. Um, only other news item we have because the strikes are still going on. So not much is happening in the world of new projects or, you know, trailers or things like that. But we did get one trailer earlier this week, a teaser trailer for Bradley Cooper's new movie Maestro, which will be on Netflix on December 20th. Uh, Bradley Cooper stars and is directing this movie as well. And I think from the trailer, 
my thoughts are this is either going to be really, really good or it's yeah. going to suck. There's no in between, I feel like, <gasps> from watching the trailer. I just feel it's yeah. giving me like blonde vibes, mank vibes, maybe because it's in black and white. But I feel like Bradley knows what he's doing. That is true. I mean, and it's the Star Wars Mulligan. is very good. It's Carrie Mulligan and Bradley Cooper. I feel like I'm definitely thinking this is going to be a hit. I have high hopes that it is good, but I could also see it being being bad, unfortunately. So yeah, it does. I do think it's going to be sad. Mm -hmm. Like I, uh, I don't know much about this story, but they're leading you to believe if you have no knowledge, which would be me, um, that that he was a closeted gay man who was married and that she's going to find out and that's going to be devastating. So so yeah, that'll be out uh, yeah. on Netflix right around Christmas time. So I guess can't wait to I watch heard, that. but I was so excited you told me about the trailer that made my day yesterday, Jared. Um, also, Bradley Cooper looks just beautiful in the movie. Like I can't explain. I mean, he's already he's a very attractive man, but I, I can't. I don't know if it's the way it was filmed. I don't know if it's the way he's dressed, the haircut. I don't know. Um, one other thing that was kind of controversial. Have you heard these comments about Rachel Zegler this week during the strike and stuff that she has said about Snow White and getting paid and all this stuff? I heard her say that she only has seen Snow White once. Um, oh, okay. I saw that comment, but I have heard that a lot of people are kind of not loving her in this role. And this remake of Snow White looks like it's going to be very interesting in terms of uh, divulging from the main story of yeah, Snow White a lot. So I don't know why they're making it. Um, I don't agree with any of these remakes. I've made that known. But also, like, it sounds like it's going to be so different that it's kind of like, why did they even take the Snow White name? Um, and they're going to make her ultra feminist, which I'm all about feminism. But I just think that isn't the story of Snow White. You're just changing the story. Just make it something else. But Rachel Zegler has said comments. Now, I will say I'm sure these are taken out of context. I'm positive like somebody just was like, listen to this soundbite. Doesn't she suck? Which she probably doesn't. And she is young. Like I have to remind myself of how young she is. And and inexperienced, relatively inexperienced in the movie industry. Yes, she was in a Spielberg film, but she hasn't been in many things. Mm-hmm. But uh, she made a comment about the strike, and she's talking about, like, if I'm wearing this costume and I am standing on set for 18 hours a day, you better pay me what I'm worth for every stream, like, every time this is streamed online. That's, like, the soundbite. Okay. And I thought, that's not maybe the best look. Now, if you were someone who was impoverished and a writer that nobody knows and you said this and, you know, you're making like a dollar sixty an hour or something for writing an episode of like Seth Meyers, I'd be like, yeah, totally. You should definitely get paid. Someone like Rachel Zegler, whose first movie was a Spielberg film, a remake of West Side Story, who was about to be the next Snow White. I'm kind of like okay, princess, maybe you should sit down and be quiet about this. Yeah, I don't think she's totally understanding the strike. Like, you know, we've seen yeah. we've seen like Brian Cranston and Bob Odenkirk and those type of people, you know, get up and make these very impassioned speeches. They're not right. doing it for themselves. They're set. No, They're they don't good. need the money. Yeah. <laughs> They're not being mistreated. And but- and she... I don't. I don't want to sound too harsh. I. I. I do think part of this is like they took a soundbite. They're using it against her. She's mm-hmm. easy fodder because she's pretty. She's talented and she's young. So it's easy to be like, look at this privileged little girl and what she's saying. But 
at the same time, I'm also like, Rachel, maybe you, maybe that's like a conversation you have at night over a glass of wine with your girlfriends in the backyard of your mansion. Maybe you like shouldn't air that for like ET online, you know? Yeah, or like talk about that with your manager or your, right. you know, your publicist or don't talk about or you. Yeah. Like you deserve more money. Maybe you should say like they, the writers, the people the who are not noticed behind the scenes, movie. they should yeah. get money. That yeah. I'd be like, yes, girl, with you. Anyway, yeah. I just thought that was funny. So thought I wanted, I, I should mention it. <laughs> so that's, that's our news and corrections corner. We don't have any corrections, but uh, we did want to talk about our 200th episode. So thanks to everybody for all of our guest hosts for submitting their Oscar snubs. The, the, how we recorded that is Katie and I recorded our part first, and then we put in the snubs in editing. So we had not heard uh, a lot of them before we recorded our episode, but it was interesting to me how many were crossovers um, or how many featured the same movie. Like Colin talked about the social network. I talked about yes. the social network. You and Mandy talked about the same movie. Um, so it was interesting how many crossovers there were. Uh, Sean and Brandon had the same, the matrix. The matrix. So yeah. Yep. <laughs> I thought it was so funny. And then the fa- the one that really like slayed me was Mandy and I both picking Shawshank because Mandy and I are good friends, but we did not speak about this. And she even sent me a clip of um, like her recording, but it was just the congratulations part. It wasn't the snubs. Like she just wanted to make sure the sound quality was good, that she didn't mess it up or anything. She was like, is this okay? And I was like, yeah, it's great. Thank you so much. And then later when I hear that Shawshank is her number one, Jared and I had already recorded. So it's not like Mandy and I were in cahoots and decided on the same thing. And then the other thing that made me laugh, I told Jared, I was like, I'm going to have to correct myself because when we started the episode, first of all, I forgot Angela Lansbury. Secondly, I add her last minute and the whole rule, like rules that we set for ourselves was that the snubs had to be within our lifetime. And like Angela definitely wasn't within our lifetime. And I just broke all the rules (laughs) last minute and was like, Angela Lansbury was wronged. Um, But that is the fun. That's the fun of this isn't really live theater, but like recording you know, and just leaving it as is. But we really enjoyed that episode. I've gotten great feedback. Probably some of my most liked posts I've ever done too for the podcast. So thank you everyone for supporting us. That was a really fun episode to record. Yeah, that was that was great. And thanks for listening to our 200th. And if you haven't, go check that out uh, wherever you listen to your podcast. So and then I had one other uh, person I wanted to shout out. So on Spotify, sometimes uh, we we can do polls and you can leave a response to the episode if you want. And somebody listened to our Dungeons and Dragons episode where we talked about Pop-Tarts and we had our debate about the best flavor of Pop-Tarts and they gave their opinion. So I just wanted to share. This is from John Lasky. I don't know if you know John, I I don't, but you're shaking your head. So, you know, John um, and John said, as an adult, I think cherry is the best flavor, followed by either wildberry or blueberry. As a kid, s'mores was untouchable perfection and they've lost their way trying to replicate that high point. <laughs> this is so <laughs> funny. I had I called John this week. So we've had a long friend to catch up this weekend. John is one of my best friends from college and we have stayed in touch. And we also went homecoming together in college. We're also both twins and the second born of twins. So we're, we call each other baby B because um, that's how they refer to twins. There's always a baby A and a baby B. But that is so funny because I didn't realize Jared told me someone responded to that today, but I didn't know it was John. But I agree with him because s'mores, I used to love the s'mores and now I will not eat them. And cherry is without fail my favorite. And it's funny. I forgot we even talked about pop Pop-Tarts because this week... 
um, there's a gas station like fairly close to our house. And I just was like, I just need some Pop-Tarts because they'll sell the one packs. The I don't want a packs. box. Yeah. Yeah. And I went and got cherry Pop-Tarts this week and ate them and it was divine. So all of this is funny. It's all full circle. But thank you, John, for answering. Yeah. Thanks for responding on Spotify. So uh, now we'll get into our recommendations. So I have one recommend. Allison and I have started The West Wing, which is on Max. Not sure how I've never watched this before uh, because it's about the communications department in the White House and being a communications major. I'm not sure how it got past me, but it did. Written by Aaron Sorkin. Of course, Aaron Sorkin's like, you know, kind of big claim to fame was West Wing. Uh, and we're on the first season still. I think there's seven or eight seasons, but we're like eight, nine episodes in. I've really liked it so far. Now, obviously, that could change. But from a starting show perspective, I feel like if a show's going to lose you, it normally does that in the first couple episodes. But we were interested from the beginning and we still, you know, we'll watch like one or two in the evening and we're just kind of cruising through it. So that's awesome. I have heard that show I mean, I've never heard a bad thing about that show. And I am sad that I never, well, I never attempted to get into it, but I've thought multiple times that I should watch it. So maybe this will be the year, but I've heard it's wonderful. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Yeah, it's great so far. And then I have two books to recommend. Uh, Both are, of course, book of the month books. Um, Part of that, though, is because I get in these... um, Mm, I can't think of not habit, but like sometimes I'll just be like, I just need to read book of the month books only this month. So this is one of those months where it's happening. So I read Dark Corners by Megan Golden. Golden is G-O-L-D-I-N. She wrote a book last year that I read um, called Night Swim that I also really liked. Um, This one, I didn't know if I'd like it. Um, It's very similar. I also didn't know she was going to start doing a series. So it's the same character lead character that was in Night Swim. I don't think you have to read one to understand the other, but they'll obviously reference like this last case that this person worked on. But it incorporates a podcast host, like someone that does like a true crime podcast. Okay. And then there's also a crime. This one though was, I really liked it. Uh, I don't know if everyone's going to like it, but it was just, you know, sometimes uh, you'll read a book and it's exactly what you're wanting. It's like, it fits the, I don't know if the genre that you're looking for, it fits the characters you're looking for, or it kind of just checks all the boxes. This was that for me. Okay. The second book I have to recommend is exactly the same way. It's called Advika and the Hollywood Wives by Kirthana Ramasetti. I think Kirthana, I believe, is of Indian descent because I was reading her biography and stuff. This is also book of the month. I regret that I waited so long to read this. I think I got it in April um, from book of the month and it's just been sitting on my shelf. I thought, what the heck? I'll try it. I gobbled this book up. It was almost 400 pages and I read it in like two days. Um, and it was about this woman. It, this is also uh, so up my alley. It talks about Oscars. It talks about um, Hollywood and like the glamour, glitz and glamour of Hollywood. And there's a kind of a mystery element to it. No one is like murdered or anything, but you do wonder throughout the book, like if there's been foul play about certain things. But basically, uh, this woman, she falls in love with a Hollywood producer who's won five Oscars and he is 40 something years older than her, but they actually fall in love. It's not like neither. She's not doing this for a stunt, but then she finds out about his previous wives because he's been married quite a few times and chaos ensues it was so good though and i just loved the whole vibe of like old hollywood because he's older she goes on this search and finds out all these like movies from the 
40s and 50s and stuff he was involved in back then and his other wives were so glamorous and she wonders why they got like why they divorced so good and again the whole time i was uneasy because i kept thinking like is someone gonna die is someone gonna get murdered what's gonna happen here so that was advika and the hollywood wives by kirthana ramasetti and those are both book of the month books but i'm sure you get them at your library and elsewhere Nice. Very nice. How often, uh, since the star of this movie that we're going to talk about has her book club that's very yes. popular, how often do you read books from Reese's book club? Or if you see that something is in Reese's book club, does does that affect you at all? Or are you like, eh, whatever, oh, it I'll does. just move on? Okay. It does. However, some of the books that she picks, I purely don't read because it's not like a book that it, – it's like another book I'd have to order. Yes. And then okay. Reese Reese books are so popular that you can't get them at the library. Like I I could say, oh, I really want to read Reese's book, this book pick, and they'll be like, there's a six-month wait for this. And I just think, well, great. But if I was really trying to like be involved in this and her discussions on social media and stuff, like I'd want to read it now. But I have read quite a few. If I went back and looked, I have read quite a few of the ones that she's had, but it's usually not the same month that I'm reading it. But occasionally there'll be a crossover. Well, she'll she'll pick a book that happens to also be a book of the month option and I will have purchased it. And if that happens, I read it then and there. Like I read it that month so I can be reading it at the same time as her book club. But she, yes. she picks really good selections. She always picks ones with like either female, strong female characters or female authors. And they're almost always fiction, which is what I gravitate towards. Yeah, she picks a lot of thrillers too, which yeah, are um, usually pretty good. So, mm -hmm. and she does a good job of like every month kind of picking something different. So, like if the last month was a thriller, she'll pick a romance for the next month or yeah. a, fic a historical fiction or something like that. So, I've read a couple of the books that have been chosen for her book club too. So, and I know, like you said, whenever she announces the new one, that it gets very popular and you know sales increase and it's out of stock at the library for as you said you know a couple months Years. as you wait for it yeah <laughs> yep. yeah months yeah so uh so that's our recommendations and now we will talk about legally blonde this was released in july of 2001 rated pg-13 for sexual references and language it's an hour and 36 minutes imdb is a 6.4 out of 10 rotten tomatoes critics 71 percent Audience, 72%. And box office-wise, made $96 million domestically, $141 million worldwide. Of course, that's in 2001 dollars, though. So adjusted for inflation, it would probably be, I don't know, maybe closer to $250, $300 million movie when all is said and done. So did very well at the box office, all things considered. Uh, and the synopsis for this one is Elle Woods, a fashionable sorority queen, is dumped by her boyfriend. She decides to follow him to law school. While she is there, she figures out that there is more to her than just looks. Isn't that so, right? That's very true. So, and this is directed by Robert Uketic. Is that? I think so. Okay. Uh, that's what it looks like. Let's go. So with that. this this dude hasn't done a whole lot. Um, no. He's an Australian writer and director known for The Ugly Truth, Killers, and Monster in Law, which that Monster in Law I have heard of. Um, I've and seen he the other two. The other two, Catherine Heigl's in. Okay. Yeah. And he recently directed several episodes of Shimagadoon. Oh, Shimagadoon. Shimagadoon. Sorry. I that thought you is... would have. No, it's fine. I didn't know if you knew about this. This is like the Keegan Michael Key. Um, this has been one of his projects that he's done. And the show's been really popular. I think it's on Hulu and they've had a couple I've seasons. I've heard of it. Yeah. yeah I haven't watched he's... it though. Yeah. Yeah. But I haven't watched it yet, but I've heard it's great. But Robert's only directed a couple of those. And it seems like late, as of late the last few years, he's done more TV show directing than he okay. has 
but I just listed the first first few. Nice. So it doesn't have any upcoming projects that he's uh, slated to work on right now. But like you said, probably we'll have some stuff uh, in the future, especially on the TV side. So we'll take a break here on the show. We'll come back. We'll talk about the cast and our likes and dislikes for Legally Blonde. And we're back here on the show talking about Legally Blonde as part of uh, Back to School Time uh, and just a throwback as well. Of course, in the lead role of Elle Woods is Reese Witherspoon. Jared, I'm going to need a crush alert. I won't make any funny comments about it, but please give me a crush alert for Reese Witherspoon. Thank you, Jared. Reese is magical. I love her so much. Um, I do think she's had over the years a couple, a couple controversial moments. Like she got pulled over by the police once. I don't know if anybody remembers it. Um, She is, she's gone through a divorce this year. That's sad. But I think she is just uh, charming and adorable and people love her. She, of course, plays the title role of Elle Woods. She is an actress and producer best known for Wild, Walk the Line, Election, Big Little Lies, and The Morning Show. She's been nominated for two Best Actress Oscars for Wild and Walk the Line. And in 2006, she did win for her portrayal of June Carter Cash in Walk the Line. That movie is not one I can watch every day because so much of it can be very sad. But she was fantastic as June Carter Cash. I don't think anyone could have done that role better. Um, She's a producer on 12 upcoming projects, Jared. 12. And she has six acting projects on the horizon. Uh, One of them, I did not know this was true. It says Legally Blonde 3 is going to happen. I had heard rumors that it was, uh, you know, they're working on it. So, yeah. But I will, uh, Legally Blonde 2 was not great. It wasn't bad. It was just mediocre. So I don't know how good a third's going to be, um, but enough times passed that, that it might be a perfect time for a resurgence. Uh, and then Tinkerbell and The Morning Show, of course, is the show that's been on Apple TV Plus that she's in with Jennifer Aniston. Yes. So uh, she's and this is one of the first uh, things that she did in terms of her acting career. She had been in a few things before mm-hmm. this. Obviously, she was a child actress as well. Yes. But in terms of like a movie that kind of got her really out into the the population and the general public this was one of the the first the first ones i think so yes and uh i think i think i'm right about this i have not fact checked this but i'm pretty sure she had art just had her daughter ava before okay. she did this role and she looks that good but also was a brand new mom <laughs> so that's pretty <laughs> incredible um anyway we love reese Next, I'm definitely going to need another crush alert for real, for real, for Luke Wilson. Thank you, Jared. Luke Wilson plays Emmett in this movie, very lovable character as well. He is the youngest uh, brother of the Wilson brothers. There are three of them. So Owen is in there too. I think Owen might be the middle one. I don't know. You know what? Don't quote me. But I know that Luke is the youngest. He is best known for Old School, Vacancy, The Royal Tenenbaums, and The Family Stone. He has five upcoming projects listed, including including Horizon and American Saga, You Gotta Believe, and Fingernails. Hmm. Okay. Yes. And then lastly, we have Selma Blair. She plays Vivian Kensington. What a name. Perfect name for that character that she is portraying in this film. Uh, Selma Blair is really known currently for her activism and helping. She exposed, um, helped expose Harvey Weinstein when all of that was starting. And then she also raises a ton of awareness for multiple sclerosis. She was diagnosed with MS in 2018. Um, seems that she has a wonderful outlook on that um, and is a great example of, of living your life fully. 
of course, she has money and access to good healthcare and everything, but she seems overall universally beloved by people in Hollywood that have worked with her. Um, she is best known for her roles in Cruel Intentions, The Sweetest Thing, Hellboy, and Hellboy 2, The Golden Army. Currently, she doesn't have any upcoming projects listed, uh, but she is active on social media if you are interested in her. And this movie is also starring a bunch of people that are famous, but at the time, I would say at least I didn't have uh, much to like say I didn't know much of their acting careers and now I'm like wow I can't believe these people were in this movie so this movie was also starring Victor Garber Matthew Davis Jennifer Coolidge Holland Taylor Allie Larder Linda Cardellini and Raquel Welch and while you were talking about the cast I looked up uh fingernails just because I was interested because yeah me too tell me it's coming out in November on Apple TV, um, and it's, it has a big cast. Uh, Jeremy Allen White, Annie Murphy, Jesse Buckley, Riz Ahmed, and then Luke Wilson all in this movie. Whoa. Um, and this is about a character named Anna, who Jesse Buckley plays, and it says she increasingly suspects that her relationship with her longtime partner may not actually be the real thing. In an imp- attempt to improve things, she secretly embarks on a new assignment working at a mysterious institute designed to incite and test the presence of romantic love in increasingly desperate couples. So it's like a drama sci-fi. So we'll see if it comes out in November. Right now it's supposed to, but um, big cast for that one. So, and that'll be, again, we'll be on Apple uh, later this year. So we'll talk about our likes and now for Legally Blonde. Uh, this movie obviously came out in 2001. At that time, there had been some teen movies or kind of, I guess coming of age movies as well, but this was definitely one that was, was very, very popular and kind of was like the defining one for a generation. And I think, you know, this movie you could look at and inspired things like, you know, mean girls and book smart and some of these other movies that have come after it that are about that experience of high school, college, whatever the case may be. So I think at the time that this was made, this was kind of a unique movie because there wasn't a ton of those types of movies in that genre that were out yet. That's exactly what I think, Jared. I think this movie, like now we would probably watch it. Someone who maybe hadn't seen it is watching it for the first time or something and be like, yeah, yeah, this kind of has been done to death. But it really wasn't at the time. Um, and when you think about I, – I don't know that I could tell you what was happening in 2001, but I just know movies like this were not really what was getting made. And the fact that it did well at the box office and people are still talking about it, I think this is definitely one of those movies that – People who like Reese Witherspoon, they know this movie. They know all the lines. They've watched it a million times, which I'm one of those people. Yeah, I think if you look at like what had come out before this, Clueless came out in 1995, so that was kind of in the same genre. Yeah, but um, you know that's a big gap between 1995 and 2001 for for yeah. another type of that movie to be that popular for it to come out. So, and I thought I thought this movie was just really original because uh, uh, Clueless is based on Emma by Jane Austen, which is great. I've read the book and I, everybody enjoys the movie Clueless. But um, I thought that this movie was so much just original. I mean, it was it was interesting too to see someone who starts to go to school at Harvard because they want to win a guy back, but then they end up learning, I'm really good at this career. This might be a good option for me and kind of upends their entire life plan, which there's a lot of jokes about it and everything, but it it does teach some good lessons in the end. So one of the big things that stood out to me watching this for the first time is that I don't think this movie would be what it is without 
Reese Witherspoon's performance. I yeah. think she really makes that character of Elle Woods. Um, and if somebody else is in that role, it's probably not as highly talked about and still regarded as highly as it is today. But I thought she just played that role so incredibly well. Um, she was so good in her part. And then the supporting cast was really solid too. Luke Wilson is great. You know, mm-hmm. he's he's not in as much stuff as his brother, but he still has some good roles. And this is definitely one of them. Um, you know, Jennifer Coolidge was great. Victor Garber was pretty good as sort of the yeah. villain in this movie. So I thought everybody was pretty well cast. Yeah. And then Selma Blair is one of those people too. I mean, her character changes so much throughout the film and the way she and Reese interact um, or L in the movie and where their, their relationship, how it changes over the film is also really interesting and teaches a good message as well. So you put this in the notes that this is the Barbie before Greta Gerwig's yes. Barbie. So, because I thought I feel like this movie is definitely uh, about feminism. I don't think it's quite as political or in your face as Barbie is, which I enjoyed that about Barbie. But I like that Legally Blonde. Um, it has an overall message of not to judge a book by its cover. Especially, she is beautiful. She's blonde. She is gorgeous. Um, And they do play up that trope, too, of like her applying to Harvard and in her video, she's wearing a bikini and the men are just drooling over themselves because who wouldn't? But it's also she in the end ultimately is teaching about believing in yourself. Um, She works hard. I mean, she earns her way into Harvard. Do I think it would ever work um, under those circumstances last minute someone decides to go to Harvard? Absolutely not. But she she does get there on her own merit. She she passes the LSAT. She studies hard. She gives up certain parties and experiences in college at the end of her undergrad career so that she can try to get into Harvard and she gets in. She learns a lot of good lessons. And I I love too, it teaches a, a really serious message of kindness overall. There's a lot of bullying and really mean people in this film. And Elle continues to show them kindness at all times, and it ends up paying off, and she gets a lot of friends and people to stand uh, in her corner, if you will. So one thing I liked about it is that we've done a lot of movies recently where they're, you know, have real big ideas or a lot of stuff going on in the film. And this was not that, which is a is a positive in my case. I think that the fact that it is a simple story, it's one that you can just sit down and watch and it's an hour and a half and you can completely follow along very easily with what's going on and you don't have to have watched seven other movies to understand this <laughs> one. You know, yes. all that stuff I think is a positive for this type of movie. So we reviewed Oppenheimer, which obviously has a lot going on. And even I would say Barbie has some more uh, big ideas that it's trying to get across maybe than than Legally Blonde, So, which is not a bad thing by any means. But I think for, for this movie, it was nice to just kind of sit on my couch and watch this and and just enjoy this this 90 minutes and not really have to think super duper hard about it. Yeah, it's just enjoyable. I think the last thing I would point out that I love about this film, they go together. It's extremely funny and quotable. I mean, there are so many things without even watching this movie again, which I did watch it again, but there were so many quotes that I just remember. It's To me, this is like Mean Girls, uh, where it's just one of those where there's so many lines that are funny and so original and perfect and fit this movie so well that you just never forget them. But what goes along with that is I just think overall this movie commits to what it is. It's not a movie that's trying to be Oppenheimer. It's not trying to be Mank. It's not trying to be a Hitchcock film um, or like make a statement that's, you know, mind boggling or Oscar worthy. But it commits to this idea of 
being funny, um, someone who would appear ditzy or stereotypically blonde or whatever um, stereotypes go with that, how different they can be and how wrong we can be if we make assumptions about people. And also things like this reminded me of Barbie, the wardrobe, like commitment to the look, to everything being pink, to the dog Bruiser, who is an outstanding side character, having outfits for everything, which reminded me of Rupert having outfits for everything, our cat. Um, but I I really appreciate that they commit to that idea. They in, in even things like her uh resume or whatever being scented. Or she's going somewhere and she has this cute little inflatable water bowl for Bruiser to make sure that he has water before she goes into her class. And then this reminded me, I think, a lot of women, I can't speak for everybody or for men, but see parts of themselves in this character, especially me, the one that I I definitely was like, oh my gosh, that's me. Her first day at Harvard, she has this special outfit and she wants to look very studious and very smart, but also very chic and fashionable. And she's like, totally look the part. That is me. I I want to dress for occasions. <laughs> if I have, I will commit hard to a theme. If it's my first day of school, I will always be dressed accordingly for where, you know, wherever I'm going. So I completely relate to that. And I liked that. And there's something very comforting, I think, to people when you see parts of yourselves reflected on these characters that you enjoy. You mentioned the the funny aspect of it, and I thought the same thing too. That this movie is very funny, has a lot of good one liners. I part of that is the script, and part of that is just Reese Witherspoon's delivery of the character as well. Um, the way she delivers some of the lines in this make them funnier, I think, than what they were written as. So um, there's a lot of really great lines in this movie, though. Uh, of course, what like it's hard is probably the most you know famous one. So right, to get into Harvard, um, what like it's hard. <laughs> I also like the line that uh, she she's talking and she says, "Hi, I'm Elle Woods, and this is Bruiser Woods. We're both Jim and I vegetarians." Yeah. I thought that was a <laughs> a funny line as well. So, uh, but lots of the jokes, you know, sometimes you watch these movies and you're like, uh, "These jokes don't really hold up," you know, right. twenty years later. But this yeah. does. Uh, this has kind of a timeless quality to it, where it's still funny even if you're watching it for the first time, like I did in 2023. So yeah, and really, this whole movie I think stands stands the test of time. It's not like you look at jokes now and go, "Ooh." That didn't age mm-hmm. well. Or yeah. even things like there's some – I won't ruin it for this over 20-year-old movie, but someone hits on her that shouldn't be because of their their position and power and all that stuff. But that's – again, that's something that's still happening today. I mean, it's not like there's anything in this film where you're like, wow, that, oh, that was a bad move. A lot of these things like really hold up now and the jokes are still funny and relating to these characters, it's still modern and contemporary enough that we relate to them too. Do you have any other likes before we move on to dislikes? No, I just think uh, I hope it's apparent how much I really love this film. So on to dislikes. I had a few things. Uh, One is that there's a few points in this movie where some of the like camera shots look a little weird. Like there's one scene in particular with Reese and Luke Wilson where the camera is like almost shaking and I don't think it's supposed to be. So just some like minor technical things. There was another scene that I noticed where they had to like dub over the lines like in post-production and you could very clearly tell that it was like re-edited in post. Yes. Um, so just a few little of those things. I was like, oh, if you just would have reshot that or redone it, maybe it might have yeah. it might have worked a little bit better. But it was just noticeable to me 
watching it. It didn't ruin the movie at all by any means because there's only a few times, but I just I just noticed a few like little technical things. So really good point, Jared. I'm glad you brought that up because I will also add that to my list because I know for sure there was a scene where I noticed how bad the dubbing was. And I've always <laughs> wondered about that too. Like if they're outside, if they're not on a film set, I don't know if that's a mic problem. I don't know if it's an outdoors problem. I don't know if it's because they add the the dialogue in later. Mm -hmm. But I did notice that. And I would say overall, I don't know if this is because we're seeing movies now in 2023 that are so impressive with CGI and with the the clearness and different animation and things. It It is hard and perhaps unfair to judge a film from 2001 to be of the same caliber. But I would say in 2023 watching this movie, I'm like, well, this was probably made on a fairly low budget. It seems like mm -hmm. it. Yeah. So I would yep. agree with you. That is a dislike. It didn't seem like it was like exceptional quality camera work and filming. And then you have a director too that has not done like a ton. Like, yeah. you know, not a huge name director behind this either. It right. looks like the budget was $18 million. So this did really well, like insanely well on that budget. So, but that's not a huge yeah. budget for a movie. So at all. Right. So um, another dislike is that this story is a little unbelievable. The fact that she would, you know, get into Harvard so easily, excel to the top of her class, be picked for an internship, get to represent somebody in court all in her like, you know, first year at Harvard. So that is a little unbelievable. But, you know, you let it slide for the movie and for the, the, the fictional story that it's telling. But if you look at it from a real world, real world perspective, that would likely like never happen. Yes, that was that's my ultimate gripe with it is like, I think that's part of how fun this is, is how ridiculous these scenarios are. These would never happen. It would never you would never get into Harvard based on these things. I don't think there's people that would decide last minute to attempt to go to Harvard and take the LSAT and pass the LSAT. Like there's just so many things where you have to suspend disbelief, which I think adds to the charm of the film. But if you look at it as like a real, could this ever really happen? I mean, no, under any circumstances. So, and I enjoyed Warner and how dumb they make him seem and everything. But at the same time, I just think many men would not fall into the palm of her hand like this. They wouldn't say things like, Pooh Bear, you're just not very bright, and then immediately get engaged to somebody else. I don't know. There's just so many things where I'm like, this would never happen. So I'm with you, Jared. Ultimately, that's my biggest problem with the film. Also, the fact like she goes to Harvard and she sees Warner on the very first day and like yep. that's a huge school and the law program is gigantic there because that's what a lot of people go there for. So the fact that she like just runs into him naturally yeah. uh, in a time before cell phones were really like a big thing uh, is kind of, you know, again, a little bit unbelievable as well. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then for her to become friends, too, with like Jennifer Coolidge, that's kind of a, I thought that was a nice relationship, but kind of a odd relationship. Like, you know, she's working at a nail salon. How much time does she really have to like chat with people that aren't customers? But she's just kind of sitting there. You know, I know people become friends with their their nail techs and stuff. But yeah. I just thought this is a little bit of a maybe an unnatural relationship, too. I can I can relate to becoming friends with nail techs, but I agree with you. It would be it's hard to believe that someone would befriend someone that is in law school who's not even qualified yet, who would then become their lawyer, quote unquote. Let's use that term loosely, and then you know help them get back their trailer, their dog, everything else from a divorce. And yeah, so I, I agree with you. I can see that's again. It's just that whole like <laughs> mm, this would not really ever happen. Not really happen in real life. Right. Yeah, so. 
Okay, well, we'll give our scores now for Legally Blonde. And I am going to rate this at a 76 out of 100. So I enjoyed it. Not my favorite movie of all time. I understand that it wasn't 100% made for me. Uh, I'm not really the target audience here, but I thought that it was very funny. It was a breezy 90 minutes. Reese Witherspoon is is great. Um, yes. And it's kind of just a fun story. So you know, very enjoyable watch. Will I watch it again soon? I don't know, but I would I watch it again in the future? If it was like on or something? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I think that's fair. I also... Um, I think it's a, a nearly perfect movie for what it is, but I would say it is hard to watch it today and be like, technically there's things that are suffering. A lot of it's just kind of ridiculous, but I still think it's great. I'm giving it an 88. This nice. is one of those movies that to me is definitely like certain shows like Friends or certain movies where it's a comfort show or a comfort movie and I could just watch it over and over I could find something entertaining about it every time, and it's just always going to be enjoyable. And I think the characters are charming, and there's there's so much to like about it. There's not people to really hate. There's nothing that makes you so uncomfortable you can't watch it. Um, I just think it's a delightful, charming film. Thanks for giving it a shot, Jared. No problem. I did enjoy it. I thought it was, you know, for what it was, like you said, it's pretty good. So, and I know you've watched the second one, but you said that one's not as good, correct? It's not. I mean, it it doesn't, it doesn't hold a candle to this one. It's not bad. Sally Field's in it. So there's a big name in it. And I think it's called Red, White, and Blonde. Um, And it's fun because I think, I can't remember all the circumstances, but I think somebody's running for Senate or something. She's like working on election campaigns. (laughs) But it's just, it's not the same, but it is enjoyable. Like if it was on TV and I had nothing else to do, I'd watch it. But I did have it on DVD and I got rid of it because I was kind of like, this is, it's never going to hold a candle to the first one. Well, we'll see how the third one is when that finally comes out in the future. So, and if you would like to follow the show on social media, you can do that at Podcast Silver on Twitter and Instagram. Search the Silver Screen Podcast on Facebook and be sure to rate and review wherever you listen to the show. That definitely helps us out. And we thank you very much for doing that. You can also find our letterbox profiles too in the description for wherever you listen to the show. Just click on the links and you can go to our letterbox profiles if you want to see what else we're watching or what we've maybe scored a movie in the past. You can look that up there. And then on our next episode, we are going to be reviewing a classic. Uh, Katie's on a little Cary Grant kick right now. So we're going to do Notorious from 1946, which is a Hitchcock movie, but not a Hitchcock movie that's probably talked about as much as, you know, Vertigo, Psycho, North by Northwest, some of these other ones. So, but still a Hitchcock movie. And we both of us have never seen it. So you're going to get our first time opinions on it. But I'm excited to do another, another classic. Me too. And this was sparked because, well, I'm obsessed with Cary Grant. But also, I had wanted to watch some old movies lately. And this is one that kept popping up, like when I would look at lists or I would look at like Hitchcock movies I haven't seen. And when we did our 200 episode, we were talking about movies that uh, most listened to episodes and people really enjoyed our Gentlemen Prefer Blondes episode. Um, and since the writer strike and actor strike is going on, it is slim pickings for films right now. So we might as well make do and, and make good use of this time. But I'm excited to see Notorious. I am too. And we will mention too that if you're interested in watching it as well, you can watch it for free on YouTube. So yes. just search it on YouTube and the full movie is on there uh, completely free, illegally too, but completely free. So uh, that's nice. So don't have to pay anything to watch it. Don't need a streaming service or anything. Just if you haven't seen it and want to watch it before our review, then check it out. 
Until next time, we'd like to thank the Academy.